Welcome to the Calling the Quarters podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. Today, we're speaking with author Laurel Woodward. Laurel Woodward has been a witch for 20 years and is also a tarot card reader. She has written for magazines and e-zines on the subjects of healthy living, organic gardening, sustainable living, and the magic of tapping creative energy in witchery. Her books are Backyard Garden Witchery, Kitchen Witchery, and now the newest book is out, I'm going to, Wellness Witchery, A Magical Approach to Nourishing the Mind, Body, and Spirit. Laurel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's wonderful to talk with you again. Can you tell us about your early life and how you came to identify as a witch? Oh, oh my, uh, my path was a very slow and winding that started with a um, psychic practices and new world thought and evolved into the practice of magic. But I was raised in a very strict Christian environment. Um, even so, as a child, I was naturally, I naturally held an animistic view, believing that if you acted unkindly to a thing, it would hurt its feelings. Um, and I knew that animals were sentient, as sentient as I was, uh, each just trying to live their best life. Um, I also had a fascination with the spirit world. I loved uh, anything that went bump in the night. Uh, I love monster movies. Um, but it wasn't until I went to college and was exposed to information that contradicted my worldview that I came to question my programming. And around that same time, I came across a quote by Mark Twain. Um, it ain't what you know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And that little observation challenged me to rethink all that I thought I knew um, and pretty much opened the door to rediscover the world. How do you f define your own spiritual practice? Well, I'm, uh, I have a solitary practice. Um, I'm a pagan and I keep a nature-based practice honoring the earth and living in sync with the seasons. Um, I embrace mindful living, and I believe that if we set an intention and do work mindfully, it elevates the work, no matter how mundane, into ritual. Um, like nature is the center of my practice. Um, I talk to my house, and I work with wild energies of the land spirits. Um, I spend a lot of time in nature. I go for daily walks, um, and I call out to the geese overhead and the crows and the birds. I'd like to find a quiet place to sit where I can simply listen and observe. Were there any authors that were most influential to you in your early years as a witch? I, uh, yes. Um, at first it was the psychic authors, Echo Bowden, Diane um, Scaffey, and Stacey Wolf. Uh, and I learned all about meditation and controlling thought and um, listening for your inner, inner voice and developing your intuition. Um, and then I found Starhawk and Vivian Crowley and Lori Cabot and learned all the basics of the craft. Um, but it was really Deborah Blake that brought me to where I am now because she introduced the idea that magic can be in the mundane and that everyday living could become a magical act itself. I want to talk about your books a little bit. Um, so this we're, we're talking about today about your third book, but what, 
How did you get to the point where you um, were thinking about and came to write your first book, Kitchen Witchery? Well, I've always been a writer. I wrote a bunch of novels that no one wanted to read because I guess I'm quite boring. <laughs> My voice is I boring. But, I doubt that's true. <laughs> but um, I wrote, I, as I kept my garden, I, I collected lore and history of different plants. And I amassed this big tome. And when I, I always wanted to turn it into something, but I didn't know how. And then I developed a, I developed psoriasis. It presents a psoriasis. It's some sort of autoimmune thing where I can't have gluten or processed food or it, I get, I develop inflammation and get sick and to the point where I can't walk upstairs and things. It's Oh my God. I, dealing with that, I, I learned different triggers in my diet and I started looking at food and our food system and it brought a lot of anger. And so I started writing about it and I wrote about um, the importance of, of organics and avoiding toxins and about different grains. And I, I started experimenting with uh, um, gluten-free uh, um, um, alternatives. And uh, I just cataloged everything, kept a, kept a, you know, kept notes on it. And when I, I found Llewellyn and I decided to, to send in a rough draft and they looked at it and said, oh, we love this. Please sign this contract. And then they said, we're going to send it to our vision board and we'll get back to you. And they completely redid it and gave me all these notes to reorganize it in such a way where it turned into this wonderful, interesting book. What's been your experience working with uh, Llewellyn? I, I've talked to many of our guests about Llewellyn Publishing and how they've changed over the years. What, what has been your experience um, with them as a publisher? Well, I firmly believe that I would not be published if I had not found my the editors I have. I have two amazing editors, Heather and Lauren, and I can give them this content I have and they can say, okay, let's, th this has potential, but we need to reorganize this and you need to add this and cut out this and, and, and fill in this. Um, and through their guidance, I have in ended up with three books that I'm really proud of and they seem well liked. The reviews are, the reviews on this new one are the best ever. The books are really beautiful. I like how um, they are very singular in their design. <clears throat> and you, if, if you've seen one of your books, you can kind of tell that they're yours at the bookstore. Like when you see them immediately, you know, this is a Laurel Woodward book. How much input did you have on that? And how do you like the end result of all three books? I love it. And I did not have any input other than to say, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, I suppose I could have, but the things they presented me were just wonderful so i was very happy i'm i'm very happy with the whole of luan's process they're wonderful at marketing they can get your books to the sellers they uh they really support the author in every way you could think of your new book um is and it's out today as of this recording 
Wellness Witchery, A Magical Approach to Nourishing the Mind, Body, and Spirit. Can you talk to us about this book and how you came to conceptualize it? Okay, for my third book, I had material for it, but I couldn't figure out how to organize it. At first, it was a book on energy with meditation, all this stuff. And I kept thinking, this has all been done before. This is so dull. It's not new. And then it morphed into a bath magic book that I just still wasn't finding my feet on. And I did a panel with Llewellyn. Uh, it was the Yule food one. And one of the people asked me how the whole pandemic had changed my practice. And it got me thinking. And I realized that I had changed my practice and that I had embraced the Nervines in my environment. And start, they, were the, they were the main ingredient in all my formulas I was using. Instead of doing big rituals, I was doing, I was seeking little wellness um, solaces, hot baths with, with all kinds of uh, infusions and teas and rituals to bring me to center and get my mind on a more positive note because, you know, that was, that was just a rough time, I think, for everyone. Um, anyway, I, I wrote a book about these, my practice has changed. I'm using plants. You can use plants too. This is how you talk to a plant. If you form a relationship with a plant, your the input it gives you is so much more than just using a, a dried bag of formula. And these are the, the plants I'm using right now. This is how you grow them. This is how you harvest them. This is how you store them. Here are some recipes for each one. You can use them too. And I sent that in and Heather immediately said, well, take out all this plant stuff, stick it in the back under, um, in an appendix, get rid of how to grow and, and get rid of all that stuff. Pull out all the recipes and write me a chapter on anxiety, sadness, relaxation. She gave me like 13 chapters and said, you have six weeks. And I went, okay. <laughs> and with Laura's help, I did it. <laughs> and you get this gorgeous book, totally different than what I turned in, but I love it. I think it's my best one. So it's like I have three co-authors and they're only giving me credit, but really Heather and Lauren are just as responsible because it's their insight that's, that's crafting these beautiful volumes. In your book, you talk about integrating a magical mindset in your daily life. Can you talk about this a little bit and tell us what it means to you? That is my whole identity is I view the world through a magical mindset. Um, I, I always have, I, I see so much more than just, uh, the flat reality. Um, I think nature is alive and full of spirits. Um, I think we, we share this reality with a lot of, with all, everything around us seen and the unseen. Um, if you adopt a magical mindset, your whole life becomes enchanted. I like that. Can you talk a little bit about plant allies? There's something you discuss in the book, and I'd like you to talk about them for our audience. Uh, um, I work with a lot of plant allies, and how you make an ally is you treat the plant as a person you're meeting. 
Um, you talk to it, you greet it, you tell them what you want to use them for and what you're hoping to learn. Um, and you ask their permission and then you work with the plant. Um, you nurture it and give it what it needs. You leave it offerings, you, you meet with it and, and build a relationship. And the whole time you're, you're, um, experimenting with what you can do with it, um, how its energies can complement your practice, um, what you can make out of them, how you can combine them with other things, how you can use them. Lately, I, I've been working a lot with lemon balm because it grows crazy up here and I have tons and tons of it and it tastes great. You can drink it, you can eat it, you can put it in your bath, you can burn it. Um, it's just really, really easy to use. It's got such a great smell too. Yeah, it has a great smell and it's uplifting. Its energy is uplifting and gentle and joyous, calming. Um, it's, it's a very nice plant. For our listeners who are not familiar with some of these terms, can you explain to them what the difference is between balms, salves, and tinctures? Okay. Um, well, a balm is really something to soothe your soul. It can be a salt, a salve, but it can also, you know, like lemon balm. It's a, they, they called it a balm because it, it soothes your emotions and your feelings. You know, it's a balm. It's a, it's one of the mint family. Um, but a salve, you usually create using, um, I like to use coconut um, oil because it solidifies into a nice salve that you can, it's hard, or, or a coconut oil beeswax. Um, a lot of people use shea butter. I haven't tried that yet. That's interesting. I like shea butter. I love shea butter, butter actually. It, it um, is one of the oils that will melt at skin temperature. Um, and a tincture, a tincture, well, an infusion, you know, it's just a tea. You, you make a, you brew a tea. A tincture is stronger. Um, it's a concentrated form, um, often using an alcohol. You can use an alcohol to make a tincture. Um, you could probably, yeah, I think you can use an oil to make a tincture too, though. Um, yeah. But all, most of mine are, are alcohol-based, um, just simply because it's safe, it lasts, it's easy to use, it's easy to create, it's cheap. Yeah. Inexpensive, I should say. It's inexpensive. <laughs> What advice would you give to somebody who is new to making self-care products for themselves and their loved ones? Um, you should, if you're, if you're completely new with this and you haven't used herbs before, start with just one herb and get to know it. Make sure that you don't have any reactions to it. Make sure that, that your reaction to it are positive and that you like it and that you'll use it and then start experimenting with it. Um, you can turn it, you can turn one herb into all sorts of things. Um, try not to combine too many, because if you do have a reaction, you won't know what you're reacting to. Um, start simple. That's the best advice. Start simple and make small quantities to see if you will actually use it and like the, the thing you're making. That's um, a good point. 
Yeah, because you don't want to end up with a with a whole bunch of uh, you don't want to end up with a whole bunch of um something that you're just going to sit there. Yeah. You talk in the book about guided meditation and how beginners can approach this. Um, can you discuss this a little bit with our listeners? Oh yes, uh, I I love guided meditations. Um, they're they they're actually quite fun, and you don't have to do them in a group. You can pre-record your own. And then listen back to it. And basically it's a it's imagery to help you journey. Um oftentimes you use uh like an elevator. You you go into a, a room you're comfortable with that you've worked with before, or if you're completely new, that you create your mind that you're comfortable with, and you get on an escalator or an elevator and you descend down through the conscious. Um, until you get to where you want to be and then you step out and explore that region that's one way you can do it or you can walk through a tunnel um you can or you can follow up a, a wooded path um you could swim through a river there's all kinds of ways you can do it um uh, but guided meditations are nice because they they give you a path to follow where you're actively descending into your conscious to work on a specific thing usually um usually they say okay this is a past life regression or this is a um uh meet your spirit ally or um you know you know they're, they're pretty general like that usually um so you start out on a on a path and and end where you want to end um, does that make sense? Yeah, it sounds clear. So this is the third book for you um, in just, you know, just a few years. How does it feel to have three books completed? Surreal. It really does. <laughs> it does feel surreal because, uh, well, they're there. They're on the shelf and they're beautiful. Um I'm very happy with how they turned out. Um, but I do think that I don't have anything more to add to them, really. Um, I think that's them. That's the, the set three. How's being, how has being a published author changed your life? Um, well, it's uh, opened me to a new, whole new set of, people I talk to like you. Um, wow. I met a whole bunch of authors um, that I really enjoy corresponding with and talking to on a daily basis and like Instagram and things like that. Um, it's kind of like a knitting group, you know? Um, you, but, but you're knitting ideas and inspirations. And um, if you're stuck, you can ask for you know, uh, uh, advice to get unstuck or to find your inspiration. I like that. Have you had a lot of feedback from fans that read your work? Um, Llewellyn put this in a, an archive, I forgot what it's called. Um, it, were you, um, yeah, I completely don't remember what it was called, but it's, uh, you sign up and you can read, um, 
you can select books to read for them and all you have to do is give a review. And the reviews for this have been really good, really, really good. Um, usually I don't read reviews because they hurt my feelings. Yeah. Um, but I, I did look and yeah, I just came across it one day and I went, wow, it's out there already. And I read them and I was very, very pleased. So what's next for you now that you've written these three books? I'm toying with different things. Um, I've been, I put on the back burner a book on um, house spirits that I've been thinking about. Um, but I'm still just thinking about it. I've also started a mystery, which is just kind of fun and Ooh. might not go anywhere. Um, I'll, even though I've kind of got the whole thing blocked out in my head. Um, <laughs> don't stop yourself. There's a whole, you know, a lot of people write great mysteries. You know, don't, don't let yourself, don't let yourself uh, stop yourself. I, I love mysteries. They're just so much fun. Um, I, I just, you know, I moved from the city onto a farm and I have a lot of work to do every day. It's, it's, a it's a lot different than I thought it would be because it is a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, I have a cow now. I milk twice a day. And I'm no I, way. Get out. Yes, I have a cow. And and, awesome. and she has a baby. <laughs> um, she had a little heifer and she's beautiful, a little red cow. Um, but I do have to milk her twice a day. And every day I get more than a gallon of milk. Um, she's a Jersey and it's very rich milk. Um, so I've been making cheese. And I've been making nice. um, custard and um, basically everything you can. I made Parker House rolls. I made frittatas, nice. um, ice cream. I got an ice cream maker and I've been making ice cream. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but again, time, time. It's time consuming. But, you know, I love to cook. I love to garden and I love animals. But I do love to write and I'm a writer. So I just have to figure out how to get every time to do everything. I mean, who better than you to write something, a mystery that might have like, you know, something in the plant world or going on in it and stuff like that. <laughs> I think your perspective would be really cool for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, that encouragement is very welcome. Nice. And not many people have uh, mysteries set in Oregon. I don't know if that's what you're planning. but You know, yeah. I'm in the middle of Washington now. Washington where yeah. where at um near near Chehalis Chehalis I live little cow town I'm out in the middle of nowhere I lived out in the middle of nowhere there too I lived in a town called Lind and mm. near Ritz near Ritzville and Moses Lake did you did you familiar with those areas no is that east or it might be more eastern side yeah hmm. I, I don't know that area at all yeah it's it, Washington's pretty huge. I mean, there's a I, lot of little towns there. Yeah, a lot of it's very uncharted for me. Yeah. A lot of little towns that you blink and you pass them by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I lived on the side that was closer to Spokane. Oh, I'm in I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's uh, 30 minutes to Chehalis or 40 minutes to Longview. Okay. Okay. I think I know where Longview is. Yeah. So if well, I want to go shopping, it's a, it's a journey. A lot of cattle out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of cattle. You're lucky and you're sheep. not living there. Go ahead. And sheep. A lot of cattle and sheep. Oh, yeah. And goats. Yeah. People have goats here. Yep. 
Yeah, I, we had sheep when I lived there, and they're little scape artists. Those things drive me crazy. Yeah. I have two. Yeah. I have two goats, two sheep, and two cows. Wow, that's yeah, a lot. I, I was going to do chickens, and I really wanted to do chickens. We experimented with two and found out that my youngest dog is a prey animal. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. couldn't have them. She, yeah. she would kill them. Keep retrieving yeah. them. They think they're doing a good job. Look, I brought you a chicken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, we couldn't do that. But may, maybe someday. Yeah, we had that problem with uh, peacocks. Our, oh. our dogs kept bringing us the peacocks. And we're like, um, you're not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> oh, well, Laurel, it's been lovely talking to you. What, what's next for you? I, think we just... I, I am yeah. not sure. I am, I am playing with, with several ideas, but. Okay, sounds good. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you again, and um, I really wish you all the success for this new book, but I don't think you need it. I think it seems to be getting a lot of good reviews, and I think it's going to do very well. And it's going to look so lovely next to your other books as well, too. Thank so. you. Thank you. Yeah.